We're back at it today in the courtroom of current events. This is another episode of Peter's Proffer, but you'll hear I'm not actually on this episode. So it's uh, Peter Sardis and George Tragos, um, the two criminal lawyers in the firm, discussing a topic that they know a lot about, and that's the death penalty. You're going to hear where it came from, what it is, who still has the death penalty, and then they actually give you their opinions on where they stand at the end. So we've gotten some listener feedback that they do want to hear more of our opinions and where we stand on which side of this. And we're happy to do that, and we're looking forward to do it on this podcast. And always remember, great minds can differ, um, no matter what people say. So if you don't agree with it, that's fine. We'd love to hear your feedback on it, and uh, we respect everybody's opinions. Um, but we also have our opinions. So we're going to do that, and we're also going to do a lot more interviews coming in 2019 because we've got a lot of people from the community reaching out to us, and there's a lot we can learn from each other. And some people have really cool stories, really cool jobs, and um, expertise on different industries. So we're going to get into that. Um, so as always, thanks for listening in. If you guys have a question or a topic you want to hear about, feel free to reach out to us on all social social media at Tragos Law, or you can always email me, Peter Tragos at GreekLaw.com. Ready. The death penalty. A lot of people would think that that really is the final solution. If you kill a criminal, he'll never commit another crime again. And you've got to go uh, back and decide, is really it worth it? And I think we'll discuss today whether the death penalty really is the right solution. Should we continue the death penalty? And why has most of the rest of the world done away with it, except for some countries that we would think are countries that are unreasonably harsh on any kind of crime? So... Where does the death penalty come from? It started when we had tribes that were making decisions about, okay, you made a crime against my tribe, you stole some fruit from my tribe, and therefore we had to get together and decide what is the appropriate punishment. And there wasn't anything standard at that time. You know, sometimes fruit would be a whipping, sometimes fruit would be worth $10, and you'd have to you know, do four, five shells or something. But then we moved into... Hammurabi's Code, and a lot of us remember that from school, where finally there was standardization. You commit this particular crime, you're in this class of victim, then you have this type of punishment. An eye for an eye. Right. A tooth for a tooth, right? But we standardized it. You know, it wasn't an arbitration where you didn't just sit around and not really know what your punishment was going to be. But what really is important to the United States is it was incorporated into the Torah, which was Jewish law. And our laws were based on the Judeo-Christian ethic that came over uh, into this country from Europe. And in that particular, the the Torah has specific death penalty offenses. Murder, kidnapping, practicing magic, violation of the Sabbath, and blasphemy, and a whole range of sexual crimes could result in death. Well, a lot of that, though... um obviously coming from from religious law translates over to this country from you know the mayflower days but at what point does it start really getting filtered out george i mean at what point is for example sexual offenses are not capital offenses i mean they're not death penalty cases in most states at least not in florida that's a very recent development actually it used to be capital offenses could be death penalty the supreme court says you can't have death penalty anymore for sexual offenses because nobody died and we also did away with a blasphemy being a death penalty, or magic being a death penalty, or violating the Sabbath being a death penalty. 
because in our country when we had religious freedoms, we realized that we were punishing people for their religious practices. So we did away with those in our code. So it left us basically with murder, capital murder, as a death penalty case. Is there any state that has a capital offense other than for murder? No. They're, they're all murder now because they've done away with, again, all of these other things that don't really constitute a death right. penalty situation under our laws. Now, there are some states, and but I don't think it hasn't been enforced and no one's been executed, that have certain drug offenses or drug trafficking offenses that could end up death penalty. But no one, those have never been enforced, and odds are the Supreme Court would never enforce a drug trafficking case as a death penalty case, unless somebody died from the drugs that you were trafficking in. Because us in Florida, and because we tried these cases before, George, we've had cases that are capital sexual battery. Capital technically meaning a death penalty case, but in Florida, it still hasn't changed. They don't take the capital verbiage out of the um, out of the statutory definition, but there is no death penalty. Right. That's, that's having basically raping a child under 11. Right. It's life without parole, right? Right. It's life without parole. So what's the point, I guess? I mean, I understand the concept of the death penalty, and I'm sure that everybody remembers in school somebody at some point telling them that it's a deterrent to crime. Well, then you're getting into why you have the death penalty, but I, uh, I really think that... Uh, those reasons, if, if you look at it with a worldview, which I think you really should go to the world, say, what is the worldview now of the death penalty? Who has the death penalty? Why is the United States a country that still has the death penalty when almost the entire European Union, from which we originally based our laws, has done away with the death penalty, except for, I think, one country, Belarus, is the only country in the European Union that still has the death penalty. Well, so, so Belarus, who's a former Soviet republic, still has a death penalty. Right. So the Russians don't do it? Uh, well, I think the Russians do have the death Russians do, the Chinese do, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia. Those countries still have the death penalty. In fact, China, the last stat for the world was 2016. China executed more people than the entire world combined as far as the death penalty cases. China executed 1,000 people, which is more than the whole world did at that time. And if you look down the countries that had the executions back in 2016, you'll see Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, um, let's see, Iraq, Egypt, Iran, all those countries had the highest level of executions. But what's really funny is the United States falls right under those. The next country after Egypt, Pakistan, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and China is the United States, and we did 20 executions in 2016, and you know, Bangladesh did nine, Afghanistan did six. So you see, the United States, the rest of the world kind of looks at us and wonders, why are we so heavy on the death penalty? And most of the, the countries you just mentioned are, uh, are Islamic, I don't want to say Islamic states, because that has different connotations nowadays, but they're... they're uh, mostly or Muslim-majority countries. Yes, Muslim-majority, except for China. Right, so we, in the United States, being the only Western nation on that list. Top 10 list, right. Yeah, we are. Of course, we are also in the top 10 of total incarcerations uh, in the world as well. So we view punishment in this country and the deterrence as a key factor in the death penalty. I don't know, but I don't know whether that's true or not. I, I've always doubted whether... People don't kill somebody and say, look, I'm not going to kill you because I'm worried about getting the death penalty. 
you know, the unfortunate reality is because we see this all the time is you don't realize the cost associated with a death penalty case. And I don't think most people recognize what is involved in legal proceedings. Not only are you going to have a trial, you're going to have a penalty phase, right? You're going to have a, a determination about whether or not the death penalty is in fact going to be put on the table and enforced. And then how many appeals do you have? You're going to go to the, uh, the, the, the district courts of appeal. And then you're going to go to the Supreme Court, right? Right. Are there are there any mandatory appeals that you go to the federal courts, or well, is that here's, the, here's what's what's happening? You got to go with the development in Florida because it kind of mirrors the rest of the United States. Is what's happened from 1964 to 1976, there were no death penalty cases in the United States because the Supreme Court ruled in the Furman case that the uh, death penalty, as the way it was the way it was done in this country, was number one cruel and unusual. And number two, did not comply with the jury aspect of a verdict because in those cases, the verdict and the death penalty happened at the same time. So I guess when you're talking about that eight, that time in the right. 1960s, are you talking about still hangings and shootings, firing squads? Or we Some states still did. Florida did not. Florida only had two things. Florida had the uh, lethal injection, or we still had what's commonly known as Sparky, the electric chair that was up at the Union Correctional uh, up in Stark, and in today even, if you didn't want lethal injection, and, and somebody didn't, by the way, recently, you can be electrocuted. Well, you have a choice. I was going to say, most people don't know that. You actually have a choice about the way you want to meet your demise. Mm -hmm, right. And then we reinstituted the death penalty in 1976. <laughs> then what happened is a majority of the jurors could recommend to the judge to give the death penalty. And I think what you mentioned before is something that has to be made clear. You have the guilt phase of a murder trial, where you go to trial and you're determined, all right, you're guilty or not guilty. If you're found guilty of murder, it then goes to phase two, where that's, that same jury then sits as the person that recommends punishment to the judge. And then the what's known as aggravating factors and mitigating factors are presented to the jury for the jury to make a decision about whether or not this particular murder case deserves a death penalty or life in prison. So in Florida, a jury makes a determination. Well, they made, at the, at the time, that, that's just a recent innovation. Right, 2016 forward, right? Right. At the time, it was a recommendation of the judge. And what aggravating factors are like, did he have a prior felony? Was it a police officer he shot? Were the facts of the case particularly cruel and heinous? Uh, did he have any sexual offenses in his past? Those are things that are presented to the jury for the jury to say, ah, these are aggravating factors that makes them deserve to, to be uh, electrocuted. But in Florida, we also have mitigating factors where they put before him, he's a family man, he's got six kids, or he's got mental illness. For the jury to do that weight before they made their recommendation. But like you said, in 2016, that changed. A jury now actually makes the decision. A judge cannot sentence someone to death unless the jury says it. And the other change was, it has now to be unanimous. It used to be a majority, but, and then it used to be 10. Now it has to be unanimous. And being unanimous in a, uh, in a criminal jury trial in the state of Florida, you normally have six jurors, right? Except on Except death. in capital, then it goes to 12. Right. right. 12 cases, 12 jurors. And sometimes people say, I know clients say to us all the time, how can, 10, how can 12 people agree? But we both know that in the vast majority of cases, they do agree. It's very rare you have a hung jury where the jury can't agree. And in Florida, now with the unanimous verdict, 
one juror can save someone's life. Is there are there any statistics um, about whether or not the death penalty is either more or less? Uh, I guess the, the the end result uh, now that it's a jury question as a, a unanimous jury question as opposed to the judges. Discretion. My guess is too soon to tell. Okay. Because you know how long these appeals take and how long uh, it takes to get through the appeals. But I think one of the, when we're talking about why, what are the arguments about the death penalty? What are the arguments that should we have the death penalty or should we not? Should we have that final solution where someone is actually killed by state action so that if something were to happen and they found out they were innocent, you couldn't correct the problem? I think you found out some things about that, didn't you? Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is uh, the final solution is final. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. But there have been in the state of, uh, actually, let me tell you nationally, in the last few years, and, and George, you've done them, uh, we've been on the uh, Innocence Project and we've done cases for them where you actually go back to these death penalty cases and you review all the evidence to determine whether or not these people's trials were fair, whether the evidence supports them. There's a lot of DNA evidence, obviously, that we take into consideration now. And in my stats, George, there have been 164 uh, death row exonerations. Uh, Florida leading the pack with 28 of those. I think people don't understand what that means. That means that there, there were people on death row that could have been electrocuted or had lethal injection that could be dead today that are innocent of the crimes they were convicted of and were released. Or either that or released or their sentences have been commuted to something less. Well, they were commuted because they're exonerated. You said they're right. exonerated. They're... Exoneration means innocent. Right. And so they, they, those people walked out, and we've been involved in those. Um, you know, we, uh, we have been involved. In, and one of the things that you, know, you and I talk about, I think, when, when we go through the, just the, the lengthy process. We've got clients that are sitting on death row, and it's been how, how many years? How, what's the longest guy you have that's still sitting on there? think we've, we've I've had people five, six years. Okay, I know there's more, people 20 years waiting yeah, for... death row, yeah. And they sit there and, and of course, death row is kind of a misnomer because they're actually housed in special housing, but they don't actually go to the, quote, death row until the, ju the governor signs the death certificate. And when he signs the, the certificate for the execution, they move that prisoner to death row. In, in Florida, uh, we're currently housing... Two, let's see, 343 people that have death sentences. And we have, and we'll get to this because I, we want to go to the racial aspect of the death penalty. And one of the reasons why, and one of the arguments against the death penalty is because it has not been enforced racially in an equal manner. That people believe it's been enforced in a, a biased or prejudiced manner, and therefore we shouldn't be enforcing it. But what are the arguments against that? Against yeah. it? Yeah. Well, it's ridiculously expensive based on the total number of legal proceedings that have to occur and the lawyers that have to be paid and the, um, you know, just the, the evidentiary toll that has to be considered. So the cost of, of a death row, um, of a death penalty case is far more than a life in prison case. Well, what about the question? Do you think it's right that the state has vengeance? That retribution is in the hands of the state to kill people. You know, we say that. I th I thought about this before. And we you remember um, there was a guy at one point who had gotten the death penalty case, and they gave him life in prison, and he begged for the death penalty because I think he realized I would rather just call it quits 
than spend the next 20, 30 years of my life waiting for it to happen. I tried a case when I was a prosecutor. And I remember they, there were two people in a cell. And the next morning, the guards got in there, and there was only one person alive in that cell, obviously been killed by his roommate. We went to trial. Uh, there was a conviction. And the roommate actually wanted to take the stand and ask for the death penalty because he knew he'd be in isolation for the rest of his life in prison because they're not going to put him with another cellmate so that he can kill him. Uh, so they're gonna, he, he knows he'll be isolated. We made the decision at the state attorney's office, frankly, that, you know what, the worst punishment for him would be not to do the death penalty, but to have him in that isolation cell. So we, in fact, did not ask for the death penalty in that case, even though he did. Well, and I, I would think that being in prison for the rest of your life, knowing you will never have freedoms, you'll never see the free light of day, you're going to live in a cell the rest of your life, that's got to be worse than, you know, than, than a... You know, meeting uh, up with a doctor with an injection. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we have the argument that if you execute someone and they're found to be innocent later, you certainly can't correct the no, mistake. You can't fix that problem. Right. And you talked about the stats already, how many people they've found yeah. innocent that have been on death row. What about the racial, ethnic, and social class issues on death row? I have some national statistics. Nationally, it says that it's about 42% white people on death row, 42% identical percentage black people, 13% Hispanic, and 3% other. In Florida, we have uh, white males, 205, black males, 126, other males, 9. There is one white female and two black females on death row. So, African Americans make up about 20% of the population, yet they're double overrepresented on death row. Uh, females are 50 or 51 percent of the population. Yet, of the 343 people on death row right now, only three of them in Florida, at least, are female. Does that make, I mean, we don't know the reason, but does that make sense that we have that big a racial and social and gender class difference on death row? I, I don't know about the gender side of it, because I think even from our experience, there are more men than women that seem to commit crime, and at least violent crime. Not to say that women don't, but at least being prosecuted, more men than women are prosecuted. I guess I, it makes more sense that uh, you know more men are going to be represented. But the racial uh, the breakdown really is kind of scary when you think about. It. You're talking about you know double your percentage of the population for African Americans. You're twice as likely to be on death row. Right. So what? And then. Lastly, we've been talking about retribution, but what about the deterrent effect? Do you really think there's a deterrent effect? I, I, don't, I don't think, think anybody th thinks about it. I don't think yeah. the stats show that there's a deterrent effect. I think most people that are going to commit murder uh, aren't thinking about it. Right. Well, the vast majority of murders are emotional, people you know, you know, the, the heat of the moment kind of thing. I mean, there's not too many real hitmen walking around out there killing people. So. Do you think those emotional people really stop to think before they no, do that? I don't. Before the wife shoots her husband or anything like that. Do you really think that she thinks like that? No, I don't. I think you're right. Most of the people that we are thinking about that actually do premeditate and take the time to, to set up a, a murder, uh, yeah, those are so few and far between. So what do you think about the death penalty? Me personally? Yes. You know, there was a time that I, if you would have asked me that question, I would have unequivocally told you I'm pro-death penalty and I probably couldn't give you five reasons why. 
but as you know, as I sit here today, older, uh, I don't know if wiser, but a little more worldly, I, I don't think I, I don't support it. It doesn't make me feel good to, you know, to hear someone's on death row. I have, I've, I've kind of go uh, both ways on this. I think the death penalty is over-applied. I think far too many people get the death penalty. And I'm particularly scared now because in 2013, Governor Scott uh, signed legislation called the Timely Justice Act of 2013 that sped up the appeals on death penalty. I used to think that if you did seven years worth of appeals, which was the average, that by then, if anything was wrong or if there were any problems, they would find them out. So, you know, I, I think it's overapplied. Do I think there are some cases that may deserve the death penalty? Uh, some people that uh, are serial killers that are going across the country murdering people, uh, people that just have no chance of rehabilitation. There, there may be some like that, but I'm, I'm concerned that we're over death penalty and I'm concerned about the number of people that have been found innocent that are on the death row. I'm worried because a lot of what I see death penalty cases are is revenge cases. And it's one thing to be subject to the law, and I think it's a totally different thing to be subject to vengeance. So, I mean, that's just me. So, All right, well, thank you very much. And we'll, we'll get Peter Tragos back in here at some point uh, to, to wrap this thing up. All right, and that was it, the death penalty from Peter Sardis and George Tragos's point of view. Sorry I couldn't be in there for this one. Scheduling sometimes makes this tough, but thanks for listening in, guys. We're going to start doing a lot of interviews on this uh, podcast this year, so 2019 is going to be some more of the same, but even uh, some more interviews to make it interesting. A lot of people we know in the uh, community and in the area um, that have really cool perspectives on things and we can all learn a lot from, so keep an eye out for that. And as always, leave reviews and comments. We love to hear your feedback.